everybody, this is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic. Please ignore Robbie's uh, death throes uh, during the episode. Uh, they, they should be complete by its uh, end. Yeah, I am fighting off illness. Uh, if there are errant noises for me, I apologize. I'm doing my best. We are brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. For only $2 a month, you gain access to all of our bonus content. Uh, we got uh, a bunch of people to thank, Matthew. All right. Uh, we have J.J. Watts. I don't know. I, if that's the pro football player, J.J. Watts, let us know. I assume it's not. <laughs> but thank you, J.J. Thank you, J.J. Uh, Simon Smith. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Simon. Uh, Timothy Burleson. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you, Timothy. And finally, Richard Arnold. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Richard. You guys are great. Yes. Oh, I have a cat on the keyboard. That's not good at all. Uh, on to this week's episode, it is Trilogy of Error, episode CABF14, originally aired April 29th, 2001, written by Matt Selman, directed by Mike B. Anderson, finished with a Nielsen rating of 8.4, approximately 14.4 million viewers. It was the highest rated show on Fox that week. Well, it's Fox in the early 2000s. There wasn't a whole lot to write home about. That wasn't a reality TV show. Uh, King of the Hill, Malcolm in the Middle, Futurama, yeah, exactly. The Simpsons. I feel like Futurama never got the attention it deserved, so. I mean, it was on the, just because it didn't do well in the ratings doesn't mean it wasn't good. Good point. Yeah, that's not what I meant. I, I meant hmm, best show that people actually paid attention to. The chalkboard gag. Fire is not the cleanser. I mean, depending on what you're trying to cleanse, it can be, but not always. The couch gag, uh, family skateboards to the couch, jumping off a ramp and doing some aerial stunts before landing, except Tomer, who falls off the edge of the ramp, is hit on the head with his own skateboard. I think, like you do, I feel like this one has been done before. Really? I, I actually looked at this, the, huh, this actually looks new to me, unlike I, last week. Well, no, last week, oof. I it is like whiplash <laughs> going from last week's episode to this one. It is ridiculous. Uh, this episode guest stars Frankie Muniz as Thelonious, which I had completely, I had forgotten about the existence of Thelonious. Oh, uh, I'm pretty sure I used him as a trivia question at one point. Oh, uh, well, I, I guarantee you I got it wrong. Uh, this also guest stars Fat Tony, Joe Montaigne, uh, doing his, doing his thing as normal, usual, very reliable Joe Montaigne as Fat Tony. He's just basically himself. Yeah, uh, that's what begins. This is an it's trilogy bear. This is uh, all three acts are each a following a single character's day and how they basically intertwine with each other. Uh, the first day is is the first act is Homer's day. Um, I don't know. It's th this episode feels like it shouldn't exist. In this season. Right. It feels like a mediocre episode from the golden years rather than an amazing episode in season 12. Well, I mean, it feels like I it feels like the people I don't know how this Matt someone must have done some witchcraft or something with a script in the because it feels like this like this episode's too complicated for them to be able to pull it off or they they put overtime on this one because it's not. It, this episode still does have a lot of the Scully year stuff in it. And, you know, it, it doesn't have as much of it as a lot less of it in general, but it's still there here and there. But it's more about like the way that you do have to have 
for this to make sense, these three different days do have to line up correctly, and they basically do. There's really not that – there's a few plot holes and inconsistencies if you really want to pick at it, but it largely lines up really well, and I'm – I don't know how they did it compared – like, I just said it was Whiplash. Like, you look at Simpsons Safari, it is – and many other Scully episodes, they are so – lazily plotted and this one is not it is the exact opposite it is like very tight well, plot. It, yeah it feels like uh something ha- somebody had in a drawer from like season six and was like oh well, let's try and do this we can do this and then you know scully and his writers came along and said okay well let's add some terrible jokes to it and uh a monkey winking at the camera at the end oh uh, the monkey let's we'll talk about mr teeny yeah. <laughs> uh so we begin with the family they're they're getting ready for for, for the day uh it's every day all three of uh, the act started at 7.03 a.m. Homer is getting ready for work uh, and sitting down for breakfast. Um, we get them uh, not enjoying the breakfast cereal Marge is serving called Muslix. Which, you know, is, is based on a real thing. It's not nearly as bad as they make it out to be, though. No, it's not. It's not. But it, it does. The, the Simpsons version does look absolutely disgusting. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's so thick. Ugh. <sighs> It's like the all syrup, uh, super squishy. What about a juice slicks though, Matt? That's even worse. <laughs> Maggie seems to like it. Well, it's like babies drink- are weird. It's like drinking a fruit roll up. Ew, gross. <laughs> so we get this. Uh, both B- Bart uh runs out to uh go on a, like go see Millhouse, who has news for him by ringing the doorbell. Uh, Lisa and Homer skip out on breakfast. Because of the aforementioned muslix. And then we are introduced to Linguo, and then Homer loses a thumb. Meet Linguo, the grammar robot. I built him all by myself. If you misuse language, he'll correct you. Well, let's put him to the test. Me love beer. I love beer. Oh, he loves beer. Here, little fella. Dad, no! I'm sorry. I thought he was a party robot. Oh, this is why I can't have nice things. Ah. Every time I design a robot, somebody comes along. (laughs) Can I have a brownie? They're for after dinner. Can I have dinner? You can't have a brownie, period. Homer wants a brownie. I'm gonna get one. No. Coming in from the left. Stop or is it, it the right? Homer. Look out for the reach around. Oh, oh he shoots. Ah! Ah! Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry not to put thumbs on the hand, Marge. Well, calm down. If we hurry, they can reattach your thumb. Reattach your thumb? This isn't Gattaca. We just gotta get your thumb to the. <gasps> Where did it go? Okay, boy. Drop the thumb. Nobody's gonna tackle you. No! Come back with my thumb! This isn't Gattaca, man. This. Oh, yeah. I I really. This is obviously Homer's fault. I mean, Marge probably should have stopped trying to cut the brownies. First of all, you don't cut brownies with a chef's knife. That's just a bad idea. You use a plastic knife. That's how you cut brownies to make them nice and even. I feel like everyone should know that. If you don't know that, never cut brownies with a metal knife. It never works I out don't, well. I don't think secondly, it matters. Secondly, if someone's trying to grab your brownies, you stop cutting them because there's a danger of exactly this. And thirdly, 
that sound always makes me cringe horrifically. What, what noise? The noise of the, the thumb being chopped off? The thumb being, yeah. Like, I, ever since this episode, I cannot hear that sound effect without just shuddering. This isn't Gattaca. I thought that was, I, that's my, one of my favorite lines in this. So, um, already, this, this scene is like, we're like four minutes into the episode, and this already is setting itself apart for most scholarly episodes. Because Homer gets some damage inflicted on him, and this is, it's quite serious. It loses his thumb. And it's not, it's treated seriously. It's treated like actual bodily harm. Well, yeah, because Homer is in great pain. Uh, the thumb is still a thing you have to go get, uh, you know, eventually towards the end of the episode. It's, it's stuck in Brian and gets gangrene. It's like, wow, there are actual consequences to people being hurt. That's strange. And it's just, uh, it, it, like, I think back to, I forget which episode it was, but the one where Homer's midsection is just ripped off and like the, in, at, by a badger. Yeah. And, you're, and it's just immediately forgotten about. And you're just like, well, why... By keeping the tone consistent and the kind of violence and harm that is possible to your characters, you can you can uh, enforce the reality of the world and make sure there's actual tension to your plot. You worry about I'm worried like Homer Homer's quest for his thumb and get it getting it reattached throughout this episode. It 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 by having his story first by having it be reinforced that this is actually dangerous and he could possibly lose his thumb. Like, I understand. Yeah, I know that they're not going to have more Simpsons episodes and suddenly Homer's not going to have a <laughs> thumb on one hand. But I, it, it manages to enforce that kind of low-level conflict throughout the episode and keep you watching. It's a, that uh, ticking clock. You're always wondering, like, oh no, is Homer going to get his thumb attached? Is Homer going to get his thumb attached? It's the thing that keeps us going throughout this entire episode. It's the it's the 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 the, the, the carrot. It just we're just going to follow it along. And it's really it's really smart to start the episode with this and then it ends and that him getting it reattached is the thing that ends the episode. And it's really smartly done having this first. And it's something that a lot and Stop me, Matt. They they introduce a plot hook at the very beginning of the episode and then resolve it at the very end. Wait, they resolve things? I don't understand. How can you do that? I mean, they don't wait 12 minutes to introduce a plot hook and then not resolve it. Instead, they introduce a plot hook within three or four minutes and resolve it at the very end. And a nice through, a through line, a through line you follow all the way to the end of the episode. Easy. That's how you do it. That's in like that's so and, and frankly that's really like it's not that complicated and that's like hey this is why one of the reasons this episode's so good is because of that um so and now this whole episode is a, a, lot, a lot of comedy of errors a lot of 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 action and movement and act, like a quite really fast pace it moves really quickly with a lot of things happening a lot of moving parts well, yeah, especially like I'm really impressed that they were able to uh, keep the plot um, coherent between all the different things. Like, there's some weird, crazy stuff uh, that happens in this episode, and they are able to basically keep it perfect. Well, it's because like, yeah, everything matches up. It's because of that frenetic pace. Because the pace is so frenetic, you don't really, you don't, they don't stop to like question and wink at the camera so like they do at the very end, which is probably the weakest point of the episode. But it's so frenetic, and none of what taken on the on its own, not one any one moment is that crazy. 
in total, yes, it's absolutely ridiculous the things that happen all but if you take one thing at a time, it's not that ridiculous. And because the pace is so frenetic, because the tone is basically consistent throughout the episode, it all makes sense. So uh she calls nine one one, Marge does, uh, but then basically convinces that Chief Wiggum that she is a, a, a attempted murderer because she cut off Homer's thumb. She gives them a fake address, which is important and makes it, it actually and think that's the thing. They also set up things that pay off later in the episode. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, you can remember things you did earlier. I, you I don't can. understand how you that can, works. You can set up little, 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 little moments early on, and then they pay off later on. So one, two, three, Fake Street. She gives them that address, and then the cops are going to be searching for one, two, one, two, three, Fake Street throughout the episode. Um. So eventually, Homer gets the the thumb back from the dog from after uh, after he destroys Rod's model train. I don't think the train would do much too much damage to the thumb. Yeah, it, it, the, it would probably be knocked off the track yeah, by the thumb. Unless it's a very powerful train. Uh, yeah. Also, don't put your thumb on ice. If you lose, a, if you lose a, a, a digit, don't put it on ice. You'll kill the nerve endings. Yeah, exactly. Just put, keep it room temperature. Put it in a bag. Well, you, keep, you can chill it, but you put it in a bag first. Put it in a bag and then put it on ice. That's the secret, man. Exactly. You don't want it to directly touch the ice. No, you don't want it to uh, touch because, the ice. Uh, like Robbie said, that will destroy the nerve endings and probably the, some of the skin too. Yeah, you want to. You want to. You want to. You don't want to do that. So the uh, we're rushing to the hospital. So Marge rear-ends Rainier Wolfcastle's Ferrari. Rainier Wolfcastle, like you do. Like I mean, sure. Wolfcastle attacks the car. Homer and Marge steal his Ferrari. Uh. They get to the hospital, find out that Homer's insurance doesn't cover the thumb reattachment, which that is not good insurance. No, no, that's that's the the basic. Even if you're like, oh, I don't have health care. I, I have, you know, sick care or emergency care or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly that's what that's supposed to cover. Well, I mean, it covers it covers fingers, just not thumbs. man. Thumbs are extra. Yeah, I'm not sure that would hold up in court. OK, so we stop at Mo for ice because the ice is melting. Instead, Homer puts his thumb in in the. The brine. Ugh. Ugh. I can't. Ugh. That's the thing that bothers me, Matt. Not the chopping the noise. Brine? It's the putting the thumb in the brine. <laughs> ugh. It's, I don't know what it is. It's just ugh, gross. Uh, but then it has to drink a couple beers, of course. Like you do. He passes out, which he has bled a lot, so it makes perfect sense. Um, March is gone by the time he wakes up. Homer has to hitchhike, which is actually a really... A really dumb gag that I enjoy quite a bit. Well, yeah, because it's, one, it's realistic that all of his friends are such losers that they could not give him a ride. And two, it, it's an opportunity for some wacky fun that makes sense. Uh, and he doesn't have a thumb, Matt. He doesn't. He can't hit. Well, he, yeah. I just that's it's that. Why dumb. isn't this working? <laughs> it's just so stupid. But I love it. Um, He's picked up by Cletus, who we find uh, this is some new information about Cletus. He is missing some fingers in this episode anyway. Yeah, here in this timeline, Cletus is missing some fingers, which, yes, I, Matt, did you, you, we both grew up in rural Florida. Did you know any mm -hmm. people who were missing fingers? I did not. Really? No, not any, Not even parts of fingers? Not even parts of fingers. Really? Okay. I knew people. <laughs> I knew. Well, they had too near that wheat thresher. I, well, I, I, my, my father also worked in construction, so well, yeah. that is probably explains some of it um so he 
they they rush to Dr. Nix to get his fingers reattached, but Dr. Nix is on fire, unfortunately. Oh no. And someone steals Cleus's truck. So Homer now has to resort to walking to Shelbyville to try and get to the Shelbyville hospital, I guess. Because both of his options in Springfield apparently suck that bad. <laughs> and then randomly, we see Linguo die. Oh crap, it's on fire! Inflammable means flammable? What a country! Can you drive me to Shelbyville Hospital? I reckon so. <laughs> hey, somebody done stoned in my wheels. Thanks a lot. Now I gotta walk to Shelbyville. <laughs> it's too late. Oh, old friend, we always knew this day would come. Say goodbye to your brother. What the hell? <gasps> Linguo! Dead! Linguo is dead! <laughs> Poor Linguo. And we never found out why. At least not yet, anyway. Not yet. And then, look, and then, hey, so we are we are left with, oh no, Homer's not going to get his thumb reattached and Lingua's dead a, a kind of a, a, a little sad ending to act two uh, and act one to go into act two at eight minutes and six seconds indeed and when we come back uh we're back at the beginning uh we see the garbage truck uh basically going through its its same thing where it breaks flanders's mailbox uh but today we start with lisa who has started the day by doing tai chi uh she is you know just very slowly listening to the very calming music doing tai chi uh, then she is called down to breakfast, and then uh, we get a little fast forward, essentially, of what happened at breakfast before. Just, you know, a few seconds here and there. Uh, and then, you know, we also see Homer introducing Homer to Linguo. Uh, but then after Lisa runs off with a broken Linguo, uh, we uh, get to see what happened after that. Hang on, Linguo. You'll be up and conjugating in no time. Ah! My thumb! Quiet, please. Some of us are trying to weld. Almost done. Just lay still. Lie still. I knew that. Just testing. Sentence fragment. Sentence fragment is also a sentence fragment. Must conserve battery power. Just come on. Uh-oh, the bus! So, I have a few things with this. Oh, One, no. Lisa oh, no. An acetylene torch, uh, and she says she's trying to weld. Those are two different things. You do not use a torch. To weld. Weld is a very specialized process that does not use torch. Use an acetylene torch to cut things. And oh, two, no. if Lingo corrects every sentence fragment he hears, he will never shut up because humans send, tend to speak very much in sentence fragments. We, Matt, I think Lingo is a little bit of a troll. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that's the whole point. Is Lisa is trying to troll everyone around her. No, it's like, oh, my grammar is so much better than no, everyone else's, no, and I'm going to prove it. I no, but I mean, I believe. I mean, yeah, like yes, obviously, but. I think that we are we get a couple peeks into Linguo and what Linguo is, and I think Linguo is a lot like sentient, alive. It seems it's at <laughs> certain points. That's true. And I think Linguo knows that sentence fragments are part of a normal part of human speech, and yet decides to in, interject himself anyway. So the question is: Did Lisa program him that way, or did he become self-aware on his own? I'm. Lisa's very smart. I'm assuming it, he became self-aware on his own. 
Oh, well, then then they were in big trouble. It's a good thing he's dead. Exactly. We should be applauding the fact that Lingua exploded. Yeah, it's be like, thank you, uh, mobsters, for cornering uh, people and forcing Lisa's hand. And stopping so, stopping Skynet before it could actually truly... That's Linguo, actually, in the Terminator timeline, Linguo is the beginning of Skynet. Exactly. Uh, someone, uh, it turns out that Fat Tony is actually from the future and came back to stop Linguo. So, you know, it's a good thing they don't go to jail at the end of this. Spoilers. Where's Sarah Connor? Oh, yeah, right. Uh, anyway, so uh, Lisa runs down to the bus, but of course she is late because she spent her time fixing Linguo. Uh, and then she runs to get her bike, which has been stolen. Weird. Uh, we don't know why. It's just missing. Uh, we then see Marge and Homer uh, jump in the car because th- at this point, uh, Marge has just cut off Homer's thumb and they're running to the hospital. So Lisa does the only thing a nerd missing school can do. She runs. She Tom cruises it all the way uh, through her neighborhood into downtown Springfield and almost gets run over uh, by Mr. Teeny, who is apparently driving Krusty to work. And this feels like a Mike Scully introduction. Like, hey, wouldn't it be really funny if rather than a person, there was a monkey driving the limo? It's had, it's very Matrixy uh, techno uh, soundtrack. Uh, I believe I think what's I don't know, or maybe it's I'm not sure. It felt like that, but I know that this is a uh, inspired by a lot of those turn of the century uh, films with fragmented timelines. So that yeah, exactly. So uh, at this point, uh, Krusty uh, admonishes Mister Teeny because he says, "Oh." Hey, you know, she's in our key demographic. You almost ran over a viewer, uh, but she, he offers to give her a ride, which is great. You know, all her problems are solved, except Krusty drops her off at the wrong school because it turns out there is a West Springfield Elementary. Who knew? Uh, apparently, Lisa did not because she did not specify and Krusty just dropped her off at the nearest school. Uh, so Lisa pops in on a French class uh, where she is made fun of in French because you have to laugh like a French person in French class. Uh, but luckily for Lisa... As she is leaving, she bumps into Thelonious, a.k.a. Frankie Muniz, uh, who is essentially Lisa, but at this particular school. She is, uh, of course, excited by his name because it's based on Thelonious Monk, uh, who I believe was a famous jazz musician. Robbie, back me up. Uh, I mean, I that is all the knowledge I know of. That's all I have about Thelonious Monk is, yes, he was a famous jazz musician. Uh, So, yes, that's all I know. I can confirm that that is all I know about him as well. (laughs) Okay, so yes, uh, of course, this makes Lisa very happy. Uh, she and Thelonious apparently spend the morning spinning, just spinning and spinning and spinning and somehow are incredibly dizzy. Uh, but Lisa finally uh, realizes uh, that she has to get back to school. So she starts running again. Uh, and after Thelonious says they'll meet again at the Magnet High School, which I, I thought was actually a pretty good guess. I, I, why haven't Why haven't we seen Thelonious come back? Uh, because they couldn't get Frankie Muniz again. <laughs> what well, I mean, he's been all he's doing is like watching race cars right now. Like he can pop back in, Frankie Muniz, come back, come back as Thelonious. Yeah. Exactly. Like you don't have to do anything you know, serious. I know I don't think he's acting a whole lot anymore because you know his childhood was very stressful, uh, being the star of a popular TV show. But you know, just come back for a, a quick voice in The Simpsons every once in a while. It'll be fun. Probably they seem cool these days. Mm, sure. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, so Lisa starts running again and happens to run right past Moe's and thinks, oh, it's about noon. That's when dad gets the brew shake. So she pops in. Uh, unluckily for her, uh, Homer is not there yet. Uh, he will be very soon. Uh, but police chief Wiggum is there. And for some reason, he is running a sting operation from a booth at Moe's. This was 
the one thing I had about this episode, I'm like, really? All of this is a bunch of weird coincidences, but this one is just the dumbest thing ever possible. But it's Wiggum. I can absolutely believe it. That's what I'm saying. I think, Matt, when we oftentimes we they, we, I mean, if Wiggum, the way that we, because the Springfield police are so dumb and so corrupt, frankly, Wiggum can do anything at any time and almost never is too ridiculous. He could literally like yeah. this is this is honestly not that high up on the list of insane things that Wiggum has done or allows the show to do. I don't. So it's it, he as the, the way he works, it doesn't it doesn't even like stop. I don't even stop to think about it because I mean, there's way crazier things that happen in this episode, right. like alone. That's true. It just struck me as like the dumbest thing possible. But again, it's Wiggum. So, hey, yes. Whatevs. Yeah. Uh, so. uh Wiggum uh, offers to, you know, prove to Lisa what's going on. And, uh, you know, when Lisa said that, hey, that sounds like Fat Tony, Wiggum. And apparently this wire is the first two-way wire that any policeman has ever used because everyone else is not a moron, uh, talks through the wire and gets his, uh, you know, his, his informant caught. Um, so Lisa decides to leave at this point because she's out of options. And luckily, Marge is now there uh, because right as Lisa leaves out the back, uh, Homer comes in the front door and... Marge sees her and yells, hey, Lisa, what's going on? And uh, obviously Marge questions why Lisa is not in school, because she should be. And uh, luckily for her, Homer gets started on the Blue Man group uh, because he's already drunk. And Marge thinks that they have plenty of time to get Lisa to school now and obviously get back. Uh, Marge probably should be more concerned with how long that thumb is going to last. But, you know, Marge is not a nurse. So, uh Lisa hops in the car. Uh, unfortunately, they run out of gas because, uh, you know, it's a, uh, I guess it's a Ferrari. What, what does he say? What kind of a? No, I think it's it just, Ferrari. I, it's just, I mean, I, I think it's a, they, I don't know if they even call it a Ferrari. I know it's a, they yeah. call it an Italian sports car or something, but for, yeah, it's Ferrari. I mean, right. it would burn through an amazing amount of gas in a very short amount of time. So Right. Uh, and Marge could not figure out how that works. And obviously, she's not going to put premium fuel into it because that's really expensive. So uh, they see. Cletus's truck stopped for some reason, so they just hop right on. How convenient. Uh, but obviously this is Cletus's truck, so Homer, uh, it stopped because it was picking up Homer. Uh, so Lisa and Marjorie are in the back, and when they get to Dr. Nick's, uh, you know, uh, Cletus and Homer get out to try and get Dr. Nick to fix everything. So Marge and Homer steal it because, what the heck, Marge's already stolen one car. It's not like charges like that stack when the police finally catch up to you. I mean, it's cheap. Again, uh, man, they're never going to... I know, I know. But anyway, uh, the, uh, the the last thing we see of this particular plot thread is them about to hit Bart as Bart is coming out of the sewer in the middle of the street. And with that, it fades to black as Bart is gruesomely murdered. <laughs> what? That's not what happens, Matt. That's, that's, that's it's false. It's not? Well, it really seems like what was going to happen when we went to a commercial. It, it is a, it's a, you know, Bart's about to get run over. Um, he could just duck back down. Uh, but... We start Act 3, 15 minutes at 22 seconds in. Pacing very well. The act, the, Each act is a representative length of the episode. Very good. Um, they're, they're each slightly shorter than the one prior, and largely because they've already covered a lot of things that have happened, so they don't have to recover a lot of the material. They just do enough to establish. Well, two is two is definitely shorter than one, but three is still pretty long because we have to get everyone's together, you know, uh, wrap up. It's still shorter than Act 2, man. Really? Mm-hmm. It okay. is. It's just it's just under eight minutes long. Well, they're just they're all just slightly shorter than each other. Um, 
Um, Bart wakes up. He's wakened by his crusty alarm clock, which itchy and scratchy beats him up. Uh, yeah, itchy and scratchy attack you, which I don't want that. I don't know. Thank you. Um, but we finally find out what Millhouse found uh, and why he gets Bart's uh, attention so early in the day. Uh, this is where Lisa's bike is stolen. Millhouse steals it and actually finds it quite comfortable riding a girl's bike. Um, but we find out what they find. What what Milhouse has found? He has found firecrackers. Whoa! How'd you find it? This is where I come to cry. Cool. Wow, sacks! Burlap sacks! It gets better. They're full of fireworks. Bottle rockets, frog launchers, weeping mamas, Tijuana toilet crackers. Good old Tijuana toilet crackers. Mm-hmm. So we get some hijinks with Bart and Millhouse as they run around and shoot uh, fireworks off at things. Um, wouldn't be a scullier episode if there wasn't at least one uh, mincing gay stereotype joke. Ugh, yeah. Which is, there's there there's still those scullier things in here, here and there. Um, there's that, and, you know, they, they shoot fireworks off at things. They blow up uh, Skinner's lawn gnomes, etc., etc., uh, that is also why Dr. Nix is on fire is because a fireworks gets shot into it and it explodes the the ether. The large container of ether that is inflammable. Well, that's all he has as anesthetic is his ether. <laughs> Apparently he has not uh, progressed from the uh, early 1900s. So it explodes, catches Dr. Nix on fire. Bart and Milhouse run and hide at 123 Fake Street. Which oh, is a, no. I know, which... Hey, remember how they set that up in the first act, Matt? Oh, whoa. Like, they remembered something they did earlier? They remembered something they did earlier and have it pay off here and now. So, Bart and Mellis are hiding, and because the police are searching for 123 Fake Street, they find Bart and Mellis here trying to hide all their firecrackers. They get caught and become snitches. Here we are, 123 Fake Street. The home of Knifey Wifey. Hey, Chief, can I hold my gun sideways? It looks so cool. Ha, 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 Ah, sure. Whatever you want, birthday boy. Okay, drop the knife, Stabitha. Great. Grouchy's ghost. We've uncovered a hardcore cracker house. There's enough Chinese sky candy here to put you boys away for a long time. I can't go to juvie. They use guys like me as currency. Yeah, they'll pass you around like... I like currency, like you said. Maybe we can make you boys a deal. Your mission is to find the fireworks smugglers and get them to say something incriminating on this tape. Hootie and the Blowfish? Yeah, it's cheaper than blank tape. Great idea to smuggle fireworks, boss. Yeah, I was getting sick of running those unions. So much paperwork. Knock, knock. Excuse me, my friend and I were interested in purchasing quality fireworks. Yes, we are. Why, I'd be delighted to sell you some illegally smuggled goods. Fat Tony, is that you? Fat Tony? Hey, where's that voice coming from? This guy's wearing a wire. Take him out. So now we have heard the other end. We see the other end of that comp of that conversation. We see that Bart and Millhouse are the two snitches uh, that are with Fat Tony. And... and <laughs> And that Wiggum uh, expressly endangers miners for his job. <laughs> yes, very, very. I mean, he does literally ask Lisa to be the next snitch uh, in the in that second act. So he's consistent. 
at least in his his behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, we get an explanation for the gunfire. It wasn't gunfire. It was the firecrackers. And they uh, Bart lights some firecrackers to, to, to run away. And they're running through this cave uh, out away from Fat Tony and uh, the, the, the mobsters. Um, and then they, Bart and Mellis go up a ladder in up to, I guess, a sewer. <laughs> I don't know why they're that the, the, the great leads to a cave, but whatever. Well, you know, there's all kinds of weird caverns and everything under every city, obviously. I obviously. mean, you've seen how big the sewers are under every major city that people can stand upright in all of them. Yes, Springfield has a very large sewer system, apparently, and it's like Resident Evil under there. It's just a bunch of caves and weird underground buildings filled with things, firecrackers. <laughs> so this is where we, we catch up to where Marge and Lisa are, and uh, Bart luckily does not get run over. He just gets wanged on the noggin. Wanged on the noggin. Uh, gets, perfect, w- gets, perfect, Robbie. Yeah, just gets wanged on the noggin a little bit. It's a little, it's a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a, 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 a knock. Not enough to, you know, kill him. Just enough to hurt. Um, but the monsters are still there, and they're still chasing them. Bart and Milhouse are still running. They, they, they hop into uh, an alley, but unfortunately, it has a dead end. The monsters have them cornered. Marge and Lisa are trying to save them. Marge throws Linguo at the mobsters at a last-ditch attempt to save Bart and Milhouse. Hey, they're throwing robots. They are throwing robots. It's disrespecting us. Shut up, you face. Shut up your face. What's the matter, you? You ain't so big. Me and him are going to whack you in the labanza. Man, grammar, overload, error, error. What the hell? <gasps> Linguo, dead. It's all right, boys. Oh, thank goodness everyone's okay. Except your thumb and Lisa's science project. I couldn't help but notice your respective predicaments. Perhaps I may offer a bipartite solution. There you go. Enjoy your thumb. As the circulation returns, the subject prepares for a long and painful recovery. It's lucky for me that Legs was an experienced mob doctor. He once pulled a slug out of my arm and inserted it into a stoolie's brain. That's a first-play science project, Lisa. Yay! Boy, this sure was one crazy day. Right, Mr. Teeny? What a great wrap-up to the episode. Everything just <sighs> fell neatly into a little package. It, they really... Even the monkey. Oh, oh, the monkey. It's really... that The last... It's, they, they could not help themselves, man. They had they to. Couldn't. They were like, hey, we have to end on a huge, stupid joke. Uh, yeah, that's it ends with... That's Mr. Teeny uh, talking directly at the camera, saying this plot makes no sense. Which, not really. That, the plot actually... That's the weirdest thing. It's a little, well, it's a little out there. It's like, wow, all this stuff happened at one time. And yeah, that's a little strange, but it definitely could have. 
Yeah, but I mean, like, it's no. This episode, I think, draws a lot of comparisons to twenty-two short films. Yeah, I know, guys. Again, you do not have to. Again, they just they cannot stop themselves from ever just poking us and reminding us, "Hey, don't forget this is a show." Hey, don't ever stop to, like, make sure I, hey, let's break purposely, break your immersion, let me just poke you and remind you. I'm like, why would you do this? It just, it's, it is the worst mo. it's the worst part of the episode, by far, the stupid five second bit at the end with a monkey. Ugh, it, ugh, it doesn't ruin the episode or anything, it's just another thing, it's just like a reminder of, like, did 22 short films at any point, like, try and, like, poke like look directly at the camera and like this is all look at all this wacky stuff happening no it just acted like this is a real the real world of springfield and springfield is a wacky place where crazy stuff happens yeah i know i watched the simpsons i i'm i'm on board guys you don't have to justify it you make it worse when you do that yeah we made things like it seems like for some reason they they think that the ending is not strong enough on its own. It's like really, really. You, you could have just ended with Lisa and then her winning first first place, and then it's over. That's it. You don't need a. There doesn't need to be a monkey get a joke at the end. Is there no? Does Mike Scully call like, "Hey guys, need more than we need two monkey jokes minimum." Yeah, if you're gonna put a monkey in the episode, you got to really use the monkey. Mister Teeny needs to do more. Um, but that's in the episode. Uh, it's it's good. It's a good episode, and like grading on the Scullier curve, it's um one of the best of 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 Scullier's for sure. Uh, it doesn't it it is it very it's impressive, especially considering that it takes place in the Scullier's. Well, yeah, like I said, this feels like a script somebody found in a drawer somewhere. I was like, hey, we can do this. I mean, or Matt, somebody saw a movie they really liked. Well, that's what it's Matt Selman based on. He he says he was inspired by Go. Which also has a, uh, three, you know, a, it, it's not like there's there are many films uh, that are that have intertwining characters that are you know doing much like Pulp Fiction inspired twenty two short films, which I think this you know Pulp Fiction inspired go quite heavily as well, um, but it is it, it's just it's very well plotted and all these all the things line up. There's no problem. There's not big problems with the continuity. Um, that don't it, nothing, nothing jumps out at you, and they says that doesn't make sense. Well, how does that make like it all? It all fits together. Um, it's funny. It yeah, and the, and the humor doesn't come from abstract wackiness. It comes from I hate to say this word, but character. It, like, everything that the characters do is is believable that they as people would do. Yeah, I mean it's 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 absurd, but it's not wacky. And I think that's a it's a fine line there. And I, I it's not that the Simpsons can't be wacky because I think that can work in in the right dose. But it's it's there's it's full of frantic and absurdity, and it all works. It all makes sense. It's funny. This isn't Gattaca. It's a good episode. It's 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 it a loving. It's, it's so good. It feels it's like a nice oh it's a nice warm bath when you're it. We're in the middle of winter, Matt. And it's 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 very cold. <laughs> Winter has come, and we're working on getting back out of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we will rank it at the end of the show. Uh, no submissions for this, my favorite episode. But this episode is absolutely not broken. Definitely not. No doubts. That's that's also nice when you don't when yeah. confirm. It's not like, well, does this count as broken because it's so bad it should ever exist in the first place, or does it not count as broken, or does it count as broken because you know it's it's worth there's worth in it and like no all those questions are are 
it's great. Just just go with it. Yeah, it's a good episode. Um, one I'm happy to have. Um, we can move on to our next segment. It is time for comments from the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments from the news group is where I will comb through the old alt.tv.simpsons news group, see what people were talking about the week or two after an episode debuted, uh, what they thought of the episode. If any other interesting notes came up, got some reviews for you, Matt. You ready? Ready. Totally excellent episode. I'll sentence fragment you, stupid grammar robot. All the parts link together flawlessly, and the loose ends are tied up like so many displaced thumbs. Frankie Muniz's appearance was so much smaller than I thought it would be, which in this Malcolm in the Middle hater's mind is a plus. A true classic, 10 out of 10, A+. plus. How can you hate Malcolm in the Middle? For real. It's, it's, I mean, it if it's a, not for you, that's fine, it's solid, but you know, don't hate solid, on it. It was a solid show. Um, whoa, never thought I'd say this again, but this, that was one of the best episodes ever. Easily makes my top 20 list. Must have taken all year to write this one, as almost every scene was later brought up in the episode. Should make it really tough to syndicate. A plus. That's why it's, like, it feels like they spent time on it, and that's another thing that excludes... It feels like someone took the script home and worked uh, on it and then brought it back uh, instead of just uh, abandoning it. Or, yeah, just, hey, it's first draft, good enough. That's good enough. Eh, we don't need more. Um... Uh, final review. The most remarkable thing about Trilogy is the efficient way it's three stories, each focusing on how different members of the Simpson family spend one day interlock. Events that are unexplained or just seem insignificant in one act take on new meaning and are resolved in the next, so that in the end, nothing is wasted. This episode has other charms, too. It's nice to see Homer's thumb injury treated in a semi-plausible yet funny way. Frankie Muniz's character in it is a good match for Lisa. I enjoy seeing him again in a future episode. This episode was obviously an exercise in nonlinear storytelling, but if its mo notions of storytelling economy and plot resolution rub off on the regular episodes, well, then so much the better. A. Couldn't say it better myself. For real. No bad reviews, man. None. Well, it, it gets me because these reviews uh, that we have are actually, they're very evident uh, that these people love The Simpsons. They even love the crappy things, but sometimes they really hate the good things, which is a little strange. But it's good to know that we look at this and go, hey, everyone can agree this is a good episode. Yeah, it's not, at a certain point, you know, it, it's it's quality is evident. Um, there's a, uh, also... Someone took the time to lay out the through lines of each day and and when each where each character was at each different time, and they largely f find that it all makes sense. It all works out relatively well. There is a few times where there's some time gaps where people are doing things for extraordinary lengths of time, um, to make up for some stuff, but. Largely, it does make sense, and I think it's really it. It's clear because when you're watching it, you never go, "Oh, that person wasn't there at that time." That doesn't make any sense. It it doesn't. Yeah, really... it, nothing is 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 close enough to be obvious, or nothing is far enough away to be like, "Oh, that doesn't make sense." Yeah, it doesn't need to necessarily like things like this. Don't necessarily need to pass like absolute muster of like, "Oh, I need to track this down." Are they the same place? As you're watching the episode, if you don't question it then it worked and it does and i don't i don't question it at once and i'm generally pretty um stringent about plot threads and stuff like that um but of course someone back then did the, their homework and laid out exactly where everyone was at any time in the episode of course because back before the internet we had even less uh to spend our time on <laughs> yes that's very true um but with that we can move on to our next segment it's time for the listener question of the week let's try one more number Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow. 
Our listener question of the week is, what is your favorite cartoonish moment from the show? We've been poo-pooing them lately, but there's many, But many, some people like them. And, well, and there's many, many good ones that aren't, you know, when they're not completely filling up the episode with insanity. Like, you know, Marge, let's say, using bees as blow darts. Yeah. Plenty of good answers. I really appreciate my time to everyone who takes the time to answer. Uh, first for Mitch. Oh, Bart, cartoons don't have to be 100% realistic. <laughs> Homer walking outside uh, as Homer is sitting on the couch. From Darren, when one of the baseball players from Homer at the bat falls through an interdimensional portal, and episode makes me laugh so much, even though I know nothing about baseball. Aussie Smith. The wizard. The wizard himself, Matt. Indeed. You know all that stuff, right? About Ozzy Smith? I absolutely, yep, I know all all there is to know about baseball players. Hall of Famer? Golden, like, eight-time Golden Glove winner? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eric, I still uh, laugh out loud every time I watch a season one scene where Bart and Homer try to trap a rabbit, but end up flinging it into the distance. Notice how all of these are from before, like, when there was something to basically uh, balance it out. Uh, From Paulina, the moment where Homer steals Moe's car, jumps out, and then rolls back into the car, Geronimo gets me laughing every time. Oh, uh, man, that's good. Uh, Lauren, Homer jumping over the Springfield Gorge and part the Daredevil. Frankly, the man would be dead, but it's entertaining. And yet the great line, you think you got guts? Try raising my kids. Uh, from Jenny, when Homer fell into the Springfield Gorge for the first time, I thought it was the stupidest moment ever. Then when the ambulance hit a tree, the back doors opened and Homer fell into the gorge again. I was laughing so hard I couldn't contain myself. What I thought was a terrible Looney Tunes joke ended up being one of my favorites. Uh, from Matthew, Sideshow Bob and the Rakes from Cape Fear. Mm. Uh, the professor, yes, I would, Kent. When Sancho Bob gets stepped on by the entire carnival, including elephants, it's absurd, but it feels right within the episode. Uh, Stuart at Archangel of Glow. Uh, the time Lisa uh, told Bart that cartoons don't have to make sense, and Homer is sitting on the couch watching TV as another Homer is about to enter the house. Still, to this day, find that funny. Uh, from John, John Fine 2. Oh, Simpson. Homer Simpson is the greatest guy in history. From the town of springfield he's about to hit a chestnut tree and then he does and then he does yeah no one uh, no complaints there man about the car crashing a will at will's world mn homer falling off springfield gorge you may notice a trend here a lot of people like springfield gorge repeatedly getting his head hit on the gorge the ambulance crashing and homer falling back down into the gorge uh, and finally, from Lauren at Elkenby 88, Bart going up to the Mad Magazine office in New York City and seeing Alfred E. Newman, all the wackiness that came out of it. What me worry? <laughs> Matt, what's your answer? Uh, what my answer is actually every time Sideshow Bob pulls something out of his hair, I just feel a little bit uh, the most evident in Sideshow Bob Roberts, where he just reaches up into his hair, he just pulls out a mountain of evidence. And apparently he was just storing it all in his hair, which I think is hilarious. My moment is also my answer is also such a Bob. It is also it is the elephants. It is in Cape from Cape Fear, not the elephants. It's just (laughs) yes, no. It 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 is extraordinarily cartoonish, and we talked about that a lot when we did that episode about how that episode somehow manages. I think it's because of Bob. I think it largely is because of Bob. You can because he is like he is Wiley Coyote in a lot of ways. You are able to give him a lot of punishment and yet he and because of kelsey Grammer, like amazing performance you're he can still maintain that kind of level his character design can maintain menace while also being foolish and funny it's a really weird delicate line that they were able to balance with him 
and the elephants, I laugh so hard. Not the elephants. And they all there's <laughs> and all of them, all the elephants, when the when the elephant with the word the on it. Just there's an elephant that just says the word the. I think that's the best part because it's so superfluous. You're just like, what why? But it works. In honor of Hannibal crossing the Alps. <laughs> Very good. Uh next week's question. What is your favorite fat Tony moment? Uh our beloved Springfield gangster. I I think we've had a, a Fat Tony question before, but uh, we'll do another one. Uh, put this question on the social media, facebook.com slash the Simpson Show Pod, Twitter at Simpson Show Pod, and you can email us at SimpsonShowPod at gmail.com. Matt, it is time for our next segment. It is time once again for the No Google Trivia Challenge. Dun, dun, dun. I am too smart. I am too smart. SMRT. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is for Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions, one easy, one medium, one hard, and try and stump the other. Matt has a four-point lead on me so far this season. We're getting, we're, we're getting, we're running up to the end here. I need to make some movement if I want to challenge him. We'll see. Give me an easy question, Matt. All right, so your easy question. Uh, which family member fails to babysit the kids in natural-born kissers? Um, that natural-born grandpa? You are correct. I was like, wait, I'm like I'm trying to. Uh, <laughs> you second guessed yourself. I was like, wait, that has to be Grandpa, right? Yeah, it's not right. You're up. You're this episode. These questions are from Rosebud. Oh, okay. What is Bobo? Uh, Bobo is a stuffed bear that Mr. Burns left behind. It's true. It's true. Indeed. All right. Your uh, medium question. What is the name of the restaurant Homer and Marge go to for their anniversary? Hmm. Oh, it is. I want to say that's the airplane that is – it's because it's miserable. Um, and it, like, moves for, like, the turbulence and it's full of kids and it's really loud and terrible. Um, what the hell is the name of that restaurant? Be something – I don't – I can't think of it. Um, I can't uh, – the airline diner. I can't – I don't know. Sorry, it is the uh, is up up and buffet. Up up and buffet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That doesn't. None of that sounds pleasant to me. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. I mean, everything involving planes is terrible. <laughs> Unless you get business class. Well, that's true, but that costs a lot of money. I got upgraded once for free. Whoa! It was nice. Very. It made me go. Oh, this is why people do this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice. Everything doesn't. Co- all the food's free and. You got you got air leg room and um your medium question, man. What TV shows does Mr. Burns interrupt? Oh, um, I want to say it's like it's uh, Krusty, the News, and Bumblebee Man. Sorry, man. Ah, is Barney or Barney Analog? Ah, the Soul Mass Transit System. Oh, that's that episode. And Bumblebee Man. Bumblebee. Wow, I was way off. It's, I love you, I love me, blah, blah. And then he cuts off the alcohol. Yeah. That's my hard question. Your hard question. What are the names of the pigs at the farm Homer and Marge get first get their thrills? Oh, God. <laughs> what are the name? How many? Can I get how many pigs there are? There are two. Okay. Just two. Right. Bessie and Mr. Oinkers. I knew you wouldn't get this because it's actually Teresa and Steve. (laughs) 
Those are good names. Right. Pigs should have human names, I think. I think that's a good... They uh, absolutely should. I think one of the funniest parts about it is uh, that that's the barn that also has the media room. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Why haven't we heard anything more about that old that pig farmer? I don't know, but he'd be a great character. Revisit him. You, Matt, your hard question. What day is Mr. Burns' birthday? Oh, God. Um, hmm. Is this ever said in the episode? Nope. I didn't think so. Uh, Homer wakes up. With dreams about Sheriff Lobo. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's, it's the worst day of the year. Burns his birthday. He circles it on the calendar. Yep. Um, let's see. I'm going to say it is September 13th. You are astonishingly close. Well, I figured that episode was the beginning of the season. It probably came out in October, so they would have made it like a month before that. So what is it? September 15th. is Dang. Oh, well. Unfortunately, Matt, I also made no ground on you. That's which is not good. That works for me. No, no, I need uh, Teresa and Steve. Why can't I remember the name of pigs? <laughs> I don't know. That's like the the one question I was like, hey, I remember that off the top of my head. Robbie will obviously get this one. Uh, yeah, right. I never. That never happens. <laughs> never. Um, Matt still has four point lead on me. I think we have th- how many episodes we got left? We got one, two, three episodes left. That's not good. That's bad. I need to, I need to do some. I need to get some answers right. Really, honestly, that's the answer. That's the simple answer to the question. I just need to be smarter, which is unfortunately very hard. But that'll do it for trivia for this week. We can move on to our final segment. Segment we end every single episode with. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically. We watch them chronologically, visually compiling list of every episode ever and how good they are. I think this episode's good. I do as well. Uh, it looks like our first post-Golden Years episode is uh, Bart the Mother number 53. I don't think it quite gets up to that, though. No, I don't think so either. Um, but I don't – it's not that – I don't – it's not that far down, frankly. I, I think – I think it's uh, – I think it's better than Lisa Gets an A, which is our second gold, post-Golden Years episode. I would agree, because this episode is a lot of fun. Uh, it has a whole bunch of characters, side characters, and main family, and everyone acts like themselves. So, I mean, it's it's probably somewhere in the middle there. I mean, I'm looking at somewhere in Canine Mutiny, Millhouse Divided, Grandpa vs. Sexual Inadequacy, Sweet Seymour, Sweet Seymour Skinner's Badass Song, somewhere in there. Yeah, because I would definitely put it above King of the Hill. I think it's better yeah. than that, for sure. Yeah. There's I, show there's, up, I, there's, so. yeah there's I Love Lisa um in there as well Hmm. i think it's it's in that range um is it better than i love lisa i think so just because it's so interesting like i love lisa is a great episode it's probably one of my favorites but this episode is just so much fun like it's 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 wacky and it's it's just better all around i feel like Mm, yeah it's i love lisa is very simple it's a very simple episode because it's just you know lisa and ralph and them and lisa's kind of letting down ralph um i do like i love lisa a lot because ralph is like an actual character in it he's just not a punchline uh he's a real a real a little boy with feelings yeah which i like um, he's not just like, eh, like I like fire or whatever. They just have him <laughs> say whenever they want to joke. Um, 
I don't know. It's easy to underrate those very solid episodes of like, you know, the the golden years where they're just like simple stories of like Lisa and Ralph, you know, having this little, their little cute relationship. Um, And Matt, I love Lisa doesn't have any monkeys yelling at the camera. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. It, it's sad how much that just brings this down. It's a little moment and it's not, it's like 10 seconds long. It's just, it, it, and you know, there's other scullier stuff that creeps in here. I think I love Lisa's better. All right, I mean, it's fairly close, honestly. So you okay with that? Right below, I love Lisa. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Okay. So that will put trilogy of error. Trilogy of error. I'm a good typist. Trilogy of mm-hmm. error at number seventy-one on our list. Number two now on the post golden years ranking. Right below I Love Lisa, right above King of the Hill. First place, Homer's Enemy. Last place, Simpson Safari. Shocking. Oh, God, Simpson Safari. Ugh, so bad. Um, Why'd you have to be so bad? Uh, well, next week, Matt, we got an- another contender for the crown. I'm going to Praise Land. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yep. Flanders and Rachel Jordan. And theme park. And gas hallucinations. <laughs> uh, what's, what's, you know, Matt, I, I don't want to think about it yet, man. I'm going to let that, wait, hold on, let that go till next week. I'm gonna, we'll enjoy this feeling I'm feeling right now of a good Simpsons episode that we got to watch and talk about. Yeah. Feels good. Feels good. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find this list on our website. It's thesimpsonshow.com. Every, links to everything there to our Facebook, to our Twitter, to our RSS feed, to a link to our Patreon. If you want to help us out, throw the show a couple dollars. Really appreciate it. Uh, before we go, you can find everything I do on my website. It's robbydorman.com, including a link to my new my new debut horror novel, Conquest. You can uh, buy that there and find links to all my social media there as well. Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Uh, that is accurate. However, I have decided to uh, live in a new art world uh, where everything is just three inches to the left. And that will completely change my perspective on the world. But it does allow you to get in contact with me very easily. Just send your letters to me three inches to the left. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. I keep watching the Simpsons. Shh.